And it was so cool to be a part of it. So if you're a parent in the room and you sent your student to Rush Camp, we thank you for letting them be a part of that and trusting them to us, with us. Uh, we, were, we were blessed by it, just to be able to see how God worked and moved in their life uh, throughout the course of the week. And so what's so fun about Rush Camp every year is, one, you never know what to expect other than God's going to do something. You don't know what that really means until you get down there. And to see every single night, and just to give you a glimpse into Rush, we have seven sessions, seven different small group times. Uh, in the mornings, we're sharing these stories. At night, we're having these, these, these teachings. Uh, and Pastor Brian did an awesome job, like he does every year, teaching our students. And every night, and even during the day, we're having small group leaders come tell us how God's working to move in, in their small group and what God did in this one student's life. And how this one student came forward or stood up and went to the back of the room to talk to their small group leader because they just accepted Christ. So they want to get baptized. Or they've been struggling with anger, mad at mom and dad or mad at a best friend or, or whatever the case was. But they finally got God's love for them or they finally got God's grace that they finally understood what God was wanting them to do. So many moments like that throughout the week. And you look at it and you're like, man, Rush was such an answer to prayer. Like we've been praying for Rush since last Rush. We've been planning for it, prepping for it, praying, just asking God to work and move. And, and he does, and he did. And so many people praying so many different prayers. And that kind of leads us into where we're going this morning as we continue the best sermon ever series is what's so powerful about prayer? Why does God talk about it so much? Why does Jesus bring it up? Why does it work and then sometimes seemingly not work? And I love what Jesus does in Matthew 7 as we keep looking at what he's trying to teach us. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. And this is what we're going to look at together for the first half of this morning. Let's read this together. It says, Ask and, I, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. I love how Jesus breaks this down for us, right? He breaks it down kind of simple, a little bit repetitive, and he uses some pretty, some pretty simple, easy words for us. And we're going to look at those three words. They're action steps for us, these verbs, ask, seek, and knock. So these are what we're supposed to bring into our relationship with God, our prayer life with God is we're supposed to ask, we're supposed to seek, and we're supposed to knock. So I want to look at each one of those words and ask a few questions because I'm, I'm having to ask myself these questions as I'm looking at this passage. So let's start with ask. How many times do we just forget to ask God for things, even though we expect him to be answering prayers? You know what I'm saying? Like you're like, going through your life and you're expecting something good to happen. You're expecting a particular result and you're expecting God to do something there, but it doesn't happen or it doesn't look like you thought it would. And then you're like, why didn't that go the way I thought it would? And then if you look back on it, you, you might realize that you never even asked God to do anything in the first place. You just assumed he would. You know what I mean? Have you ever just assumed, had assumption prayers, which isn't really a prayer? It's just like, I just assume something's going to happen here. But you never actually even brought it to him in the first place. So 
first thing is just ask. And then there's the kind of ask that isn't really an ask. It's like a demand. And I think any parents in the room know what that is. It's not really an ask, it's a demand. I want my snack. I want those clothes. I want to go to the movies. I want a car, whatever the thing is. I want to go to that school. But all of us can relate to that because all of us do that. It's not, it's not just students. It's not just kids. We all do it. We'll, we'll tell God, God, do this. Instead of, God, will you do that? <laughs> like, is it okay if this happens? Is this, you know, is this the right prayer here? It's more like this. I had a moment like this in my life where I was dating my now wife and we've been dating about two years. So, you know, it's that kind of intense, serious period of a relationship where, you know, you either need to move forward and know this is going somewhere or you need to cut bait and run. Right. And I didn't know which to do. So I'm in this weird limbo. I don't know. And she knew she's like, no, we're going to get married. And I was like, I don't know. It seems really intense, like forever to be married. Um, so I'm like, God, please show me. Am I supposed to, to marry this woman? I love her. She's, she's really pretty and it'd be cool to be married to her, but I don't know, man, forever is a long time. And so I was giving him ultimatums like, God, I need to know by this date. I need to know by this time. Have you ever done this? Like, you know, do it by this time or show me a sign or give me a thing and it's like an ultimatum type thing. So I did this one particular time. We went on a mission trip to Russia. And the whole time I'm in Russia, I'm like, God, I need to know when I step off that plane because she's going to be right there waiting for me with a sun and a hug and a smile. And, and it would be so great if I could just step off that plane, look at her and be like, oh, it's my wife. I just know it. Like angels singing, like a glowing halo over her, like something that just let me know, yes, she's going to be the one. And so pray all week, pray all week, get off the plane, step off, go through the, the terminal, get to where everybody's waiting. I see her, I'm like, man, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> Are we supposed to get married? I don't know. So literally like weeks after that, she broke up with me. And, uh, and then five months after that, I came groveling back to her crying, knowing that I needed to marry her because God actually let me know in the breakup time that I needed to marry her. So now we're married. We have three kids. Everything's fine. But uh, <laughs> I, was, I was giving God all these demanding prayers like, God, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. And then when I finally kind of quit demanding and just kind of like let go, that's when he showed me something. That's when he let me know. It's like one of the most clear things that I've heard in my life was when he let me know I needed to marry my wife which sounds like this awesome romance novel, but I'm, I'm serious. Like that's really one of the clearest things that God's showed me through my life so far is, is, is that. And it all happened when I, when I quit telling and I started asking. So the next word we see there is seek. So the questions I have for me in that, and maybe you have the same questions is, am I actually looking for answers? Am I trying to find answers in my life? Am I looking for what I should do? Am I looking for what I should say? Am I looking for where, what job I should take? What school I should go to? Maybe it's who I should marry. Are you, are you even seeking those answers? Are you looking for them? Are you looking to God to answer them? And are you even looking for what God might be trying to do in your life and in your situation, in my life, in my situation? Am I looking for Jesus there? And then we got knock. 
And I love, I love the, this one particularly because when you knock on someone's door, what, what's the question you have? I hear a few people trying to maybe say it. Yeah, is anyone there? Is anybody here? You don't know for sure, so you're knocking, hoping someone will answer the door. So do we pray sometimes wondering, is anyone really listening? I know I've felt that way before. I'm praying this, this thing that's heavy on, on my heart, heavy on my life, heavy on my mind. I'm saying these things and I'm like, man, is anyone really hearing me right now? Is anyone going to show me the way in this particular situation? Because I'm looking for direction. I need someone to open the door and show me where to go here. So Jesus says, just knock. Knock. And I love it because each one of these words has a promise attached to it. He says, do these three things, but just know when you do these three things, these are the things I'm going to do. And to the one who asks, they will receive. The one who actually seeks and looks for God, looks for answers, they're going to find. The one who knocks, the door will open. You don't have to wonder if God's there. You don't have to wonder if he's going to show you the way. He's going to open the door. And those seem like super simple promises and those seem like really like, duh, you know, if you ask, you know, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open. Okay, that seems like easy, simple stuff. But I think all of that is kind of boiling down to this, this invitation from God for us to just come to him, right? Come to him with our issues. Come to him with our stress. Come to him with our questions, Come to him with our anger, our frustration, our pain, our insecurities. Whatever the thing is, just come. And when we do that, we make the point of our prayer, not us. And he promises to be exactly what we needed in those prayers. We'll get the answers we're looking for. It just might not be the answer you might have thought it was going to be. But they'll all come and the only one who can give the answers will be the one giving the answers. And this whole idea of coming really matches up with what Jesus says later in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I love this aspect of prayer because this invitation to come and to pray and to bring these things to God brings us rest. Because you're not carrying it anymore. I'm not carrying it anymore. We can lay it down. We can give it to him. And we find rest. We find peace in that. So the main point Jesus seems to be continuing to come back to, not only in this section of scripture, but throughout his life, throughout his teaching, throughout the miracles he performed, is that we don't have to do the work. He's already done it. We don't have to put our prayers on our backs and to bear them. We don't have to carry this stress and figure everything out. We aren't meant to be the one who makes it all happen. That would make us the focus of our prayers. That would make us the focus of our life. And the focus of our prayers as well as our life was never meant to be us. It was always meant to be Jesus. 
And that's when it really makes sense that Jesus leads to life, right? Because when we rely on us, that's when we get those frustrating prayers. That's when we throw out those prayers. It's like, God, I need you to work in this person's life so they have a change of heart. And then after you pray that, you go out and try to make them have a change of heart, right? You try to answer your own prayer instead of just giving it to him, just coming to him with it. You said the words to him, but what you really meant in your heart is, God, do what I want you to do right now. And if you don't, I'm going to do it. And I know I've prayed prayers like that. And you read this simple two verses and Jesus is just calling us to stop doing that. Stop making you the point. Stop making you the one who's going to do the stuff, you know, who's going to be the one who gets the glory from this. Because if you're the one doing it, and you're the one who's involved in it and you're the focus of it, who's, who are you trying to give the glory to in that whole situation? It's us. We're trying to take it. We're not meant to have it. And ultimately, when we try to do that, whatever situation it is we're trying to give over to God, we'll wind up messing it up. And so this, this prayer kind of structure that God lays out, this, these action items for us to start to incorporate into our prayer life of asking and seeking and knocking, there are these simple little things that we're meant to do that remind us to just come to him, to give whatever it is we have to him so that we don't have to try and force Jesus to do what we want or to try and do it for him. All you have to do is just come to him. It's as simple as that. It doesn't mean the prayer is simple. It doesn't mean the situation in your life is simple. It doesn't mean what you're going through is simple. But what you have to do with that thing that issue, that situation, that relationship is just bring it to him. Ask him to intervene. Ask him to show you the way. Ask him to give you wisdom in it, to give you his heart in it, to give you the eyes to see it the same way he sees it. And just watch what he does with it when you give it to him. So we wanted to give you a moment just to do that, just to come, just to lay down whatever it is you've got going on, whatever it is you've been carrying, to lay it down at his feet, to ask, to seek, to knock. Maybe you need to change up all three of those things in your prayers. Maybe, maybe you've been doing the opposite of what God's been calling us to, or maybe it's just one of those things that kind of stuck out to you. You're like, man, I really need to start to stop demanding things from God and really ask him to do something here. Maybe I need to start really seeking what he's trying to do in this situation. Or I need to just trust and know that he's there and he's listening. And he's gonna show me the way through this. So right where you're at, we're just gonna sing about our good, good father. And it's, it's him who we give these things to. And just know that God is in this place. Wherever two or more are gathered, the Bible tells us he's there. He is definitely here. So just... Wherever you're at, if you want to just close your eyes and maybe just listen to these words as you pray some things to him, or maybe you pray these lyrics back to him. Whatever it is you need to do right now in this moment, we just want to invite you to come. Give it over to him and let him do the work. Man, great, great stuff.
Good to see so many of us just bringing our requests and our things to God that we may be dealing with this morning and just having a chance to sing about God as our loving Father, as that perfect Father, that good Father. A God who knows what we need before we even say a word. How powerful is that? And how important is that truth for us to be able to fully really understand what it is that Jesus is telling us in Matthew chapter 7. To give us that command to ask, to seek, and to knock. But then to give us the reason why we can come to him with such confidence and such persistence. And so as we continue reading this passage in verse 9, here's what Jesus says. He says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your, fa- to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? I love how Jesus ties our asking and our seeking and our knocking to our view of himself. Of making that connection that sometimes... The, the reality is I think in Jesus' mind what he's saying is the only thing that would prevent us from asking, seeking, and knocking is that we don't view God as that loving father. That if there are moments where we lack the faith to believe that he's going to answer whatever request we have for him, that either we don't think he has the power or we don't really think that he cares enough about us to do it. And so to help kind of push us there and and, and encourage us a little bit. I think Jesus is why he relates that to to us as parents. And so I was thinking about me as a dad for for my kids and what, what would prevent my kids from coming to me and asking me for things that they care about? Either they don't think that I can do anything about it or they don't think that I care about them. But I know my kids don't have this view of of me because they ask me for a lot. They're always asking me for something, right? Dad, I want want something to eat. Dad, can you make me something to eat? 15 minutes later, Dad, can you make me something to eat? And there's only about three things that I can make them to eat, right? That's why I'm thankful for my, my loving wife. But they're asking all the time, or Dad, can you read with me? Or Dad, can we go out in the backyard and throw a baseball? Or dad, I just cut myself. Can you fix, keep it from, stop, you know, stop it from bleeding or whatever. Or then their requests get a little bit more bizarre. Hey dad, my uh, brother's been chasing me around the house for the last 20 minutes with a shovel. Will you please punish him? Right, which sounds a little bit odd, but with two boys in that close in age, that is not that bizarre of a scenario, I promise you. They're always inflicting pain on each other and then looking for me to punish the one that's guilty in that moment. Or how about this one? Dad, can I borrow 20 bucks? How many parents have heard that request over and over and over again? See, my, my kids know that, that I care about them. And they believe that I have the power to do things, in a lot of cases, things that I can't actually do. My kids aren't self-sufficient. So they depend on my wife and I for a lot of things. But they do. They, they feel like I can do a lot of things. They... They know, because I've shown them, that I can take them in in a wrestling match, all right? And from time to time, I like to do that just to remind them how powerful I am, at least for for now. Or they're they're the ones that think that I can beat up anybody else's dad, 
right? Which clearly is not the case. But that's what they think. Or if a, if a bad guy's going to break into our house, then dad's going to go in the bathroom, he's going to throw a Superman cape on, he's going to come out and he will single-handedly rescue the entire family, no matter how many bad guys there are, and he won't even break a sweat doing it. Right? That's the view that my kids have of me. They think that I make millions of dollars for some reason, even though I work at a church. So they're always asking me to buy them things that they want. That's the way that my kids view me. They know that I care about them and they believe that I have the power to do things. Even things that I can't actually do. And so I think the, the question for us this morning is, do we view God the same way? Do we believe that God is our good heavenly father and that he has the power to do anything that we may ask of him? Isn't it ironic that we look to imperfect humans to do things that they could never do, but we struggle looking to a perfect father to do things that he's more than capable of doing. Sometimes we can get a a really clear view of our view of God and even ourselves by what we don't ask sometimes. Maybe sometimes we don't even bother asking him for things because in our mind we think, man, there's no way that God could do that. Or sometimes we don't bother asking him for things because we feel like we can handle that situation on our own. And so we don't bother going to him at least until we mess the whole thing up. And what Jesus wants us to understand is that we're not nearly as self-sufficient as we think we are. That we truly need our loving father. One of the things I love about working with students is that it becomes clear very quickly that God's going to be, have to be the one to do the work, right? Now, this is true of, of any ministry, no matter what it is. But if, if something about middle school and high school students, it feels like pushes us there quicker. And so some of the best leaders that we have are the ones that realize if God is going to, if there's going to be transformation in this student's life, it's going to be because of God and not because they're some superhuman. And so when, when we realize that, not only do we depend on God and not ourselves, but we start asking God to do some big things. Some of our leaders this year have asked God to do some big things in the hearts and lives of their students. There's a, a leader who leads uh, 10th grade girls, and here's what she says. She says, I've been praying specifically for one girl for three years. She's been bullied. She's overcome health issues and spine issues. And she's lost people that she cared deeply about. Because of this, she was quiet and reserved. She liked attention of any kind. She would show up on Wednesdays to see friends. She would barely listen to small group and worship, and then she would leave. She wanted to just blend in. But the small group leader says, but I saw a girl who was born to stand out. She has the potential to change lives. So I prayed and I asked God to mature her heart and let her see herself as God sees her. And over the last year, God has answered that request. She's joined our first impression team, which is our our student team that that greets students as they come in on Wednesday night. She went to Nicaragua, one of our high school mission trips, and she just came to Rush for the first time. She's grown so much in her walk with Jesus, 
And she's now shared her testimony with people too many times to even count. There's another leader that said this. She says, I jumped in for Rush last year and was nervous because I didn't know the girls. So I asked God to help me connect with them. One night at Rush, I felt God say to me, why have you not allowed me to heal your own broken heart? I remembered all the pain that I experienced. Growing up with an alcoholic father, sexual abuse by my stepfather, broken relationships with other family members, lost pregnancies and unborn children, and even having my husband die in his sleep in 2006. I knew that God was with me since I trusted him as savior as a child, but I still carried around all of this pain. And in that moment, I heard God say, all you have to do is ask me. So I went forward and I asked God to heal my heart and I felt God's presence and God's love come over me. Little did I know that I was kneeling right next to one of my small group girls who was asking God to do the same thing in her own heart. And so God used that night to bring us closer together and he's used me every week over the last year to minister to the girls that I help lead. We have a, a brother and sister in our ministry who've been involved for, for quite a while. And just several weeks ago, their, uh, their mom committed suicide. And so, obviously, just a, a painful situation. A lot of pain, a lot of brokenness in, in these students' hearts. And, and so it even, one, one night, not just a few days later, became so overwhelming that, that the young lady um, threatened to take her own life as well. Just couldn't, felt like she couldn't deal with it. And so she put something out on social media and, and so some of the small group leaders, some of her friends, students, even myself got involved, kind of rallied around her. And the next day, the small group leaders went out and took her to, uh, to Starbucks and just sat down and talked to her and encouraged her and prayed with her and just reminded her of God's heart for her. And so they, this brother and sister were not planning on coming to Rush. And so the small group leader reached out and said, hey, is there, I know it's last minute, is there any way that we can get them on this trip? So the next day I had, was about to call the dad to talk to him about Rush and see if it was a possibility for them to come with us. And a, a couple, a couple I had never met before, showed up here at the church and, and asked to, to see me. So I went down and met with them and they said they had, they had some money that they wanted to, to give. And they had been asking and praying to God and saying, God, what is it that you want us to do with this money? Who do you want us to bless? And they felt like they needed to donate a Rush scholarship. And so they showed up at the church that morning, not, not sure if it was too late, if we still needed Rush scholarships. And so I told them about this brother and sister and how we, I was about to call the dad and wanted them to come. And, and I said, it's going to cost about $800 for them to come to Rush. And with tears streaming down their face, they handed me a check that had already been made out for exactly $800. They had asked... They had just asked God and God revealed to them his heart and what he wanted them to do. And so this brother and sister came to Rush and that first night, the young lady was so angry, so hurt that she wanted to go. She wanted, she wanted nothing to do with God, wanted to get out of there. And so we had a conversation, a small group leader took her down to the beach and just went on a walk with her and calmed her down. The very next day, 
this young lady put her faith and trust in Jesus as her savior. And she's actually getting baptized this morning at 1245 in the next service, which is awesome. And her brother got baptized in the nine o'clock service. So just amazing. So incredible that when we bring our request to our Heavenly Father who already knows what we want and what we need before we ask Him and how He responds in those moments to do the things that only He can do. And so again in in verse 11, as Jesus closes, He says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Jesus says something that I think any of us is he says, you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children. In other words, something that all of us as parents can, can agree with. That we're not perfect. Right? As much as we love our kids and have those good intentions, there are times where we give our kids things that aren't best for them. We give them things and maybe we look back and we realize that those things that we gave them weren't really best for them. We really shouldn't have given them the things that they asked for. There are those moments where, where we feel that and we see that. And we all know parents who give their kids literally everything that they ask for. And the end result in that is not good. The heart is there for our kids, but sometimes the wisdom is lacking. But that's not the case with God. Not only is God perfect in his love and his care for his children but he's also perfect in the execution of that love that he will never give us anything without knowing that it's going to be good and perfect for us James 1 17 and 18 says that it says whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our father who created all the lights in the heavens He never changes. He never casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possessions. If anything is good and perfect in our lives, it's been put there by God. He gives us good gifts. Why? Because that's his character. Because he's a good and perfect father. But also because, as James 1 says, we're his prized possession. What brings a loving father more delight? What's most precious in the world to him? His kids. He brags about them. He shows them off. He loves and he cares for them. He makes sure that they have the things in their life that they need. And in those moments and those situations where his kids come to him with those requests, it gives a father great delight to meet those needs. That is the heart of our father. That is what God desires to do for us. So are we willing to keep on asking, to keep on seeking, to keep on knocking? 
Are we willing to bring our needs and requests to a God who can do the impossible? And do we believe that as we come to our good Father, that He's a, a God that desires to give good gifts to His kids when they simply ask Him? That's what God desires for us to understand about His heart. And he just simply invites us to come to him with those things. Let's pray together this morning. God, thank you that we are loved by you. Thank you that we have a loving heavenly father who is perfect in all of your ways. There is no darkness. There is no sin. God, there is nothing that you do that is not perfect. It's who you are. God, thank you that you know the needs and the requests that are on our heart and in our minds even before we even ask them. And you simply just invite us to come to you and to trust you and to see you as our loving Heavenly Father who desires to give good gifts to his kids. God, I pray that we would believe that. God, I pray that we would begin to come to you, seeing you as you are. And no matter what it seems like we're up against, no matter what the situation or the trial, no matter what the struggle, God, that we would lean into you and ask and seek and knock and know who you are as a loving father. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.